When my children were younger, Jackie and I would, would have special family movie nights with them, and we, we loved all of the, the old Disney animated films and the films by Pixar. I mean, you know some of these, you know Toy Story. I mean, what a, what a great film. Uh, and, and there was you know, Finding Nemo. There was uh, you know, Emperor's New Groove. I mean, there's a bunch of great, great films. Those are the only films that we actually purchased a physical copy of. And if you're younger in the audience, uh, they, we used to have these things called DVDs. And they were like a physical copy of an actual, now we stream everything. But, but then Christmas would come around and, and, and we, we, we've developed a, a short list of our favorite Christmas movies. And these are the approved Christmas movies around our place on the holidays. And there's a couple of great ones, a couple of gems. We, we got to have It's a Wonderful Life. Come on, you got to have, have that one in your list. Everybody's seen that, right? That's every seen. Some of you aren't raising your hands. I just wonder. I don't know if, how you got in here. Uh, but we have other movies in our list, our short list. And one of them is my all-time favorite. And this movie came out around the year 2000. It stars this big green fuzzy guy named The Grinch. And this version of the movie was the actor behind The Grinch was Jim Carrey. You say whatever you want to say about Jim Carrey. This was a great performance of Jim Carrey. Very, very in-your-face sort of way. The Grinch that stole Christmas. And uh, there's several scenes that I could probably actually by memory do this morning, but I don't want to embarrass myself and you. So what I thought, I was, uh, there's one scene that I, I think is, is really fitting to what we're talking about today. And in this scene, you have Jim Carrey, who plays the Grinch. So the Grinch is coming into his lair, I think he calls it. Basically, it's his house. It's in a cave, if you've seen the film. And he's got a dog with him, Max. And so he and Max get to the cave, and they're walking around. And at one point, the Grinch grabs a, an imaginary stick and throws it. And Max, the dog, goes running after it. And then you hear the Grinch say, there was no stick. I'm smarter. That's kind of my best Jim Carrey impersonation, right? That's all you get. That's it. it. Worked hours on that. Very worth my time, as you can see. <clears throat> but he says, I'm smarter. And the thing is, he's right. I mean, humanity, I mean, and there he's comparing his Grinchness to a canine. But we know this to be true. Like, humanity, we are smarter. We, we simply are. You don't believe me. Okay, I've got I to I earn my keep today. The BBC came out with a, 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 an article a few years ago, and in that article, here's, here's what it said. When you pull together our unparalleled language skills, our ability to infer others' mental states, and our instinct for cooperation, you have something unprecedented in humanity, us. We are the only creatures trying to understand where we came from. We also peer further back in time and further into the future than any other creature that's ever existed on the planet. What other species would think to ponder the age of the universe or how it will end? We have an immense capacity for good. Right on, right? Then you have uh, Sir Ken Robinson, the late Sir Ken Robinson. Now, if you, uh, who's watched TED Talks in here? You guys ever watched TED Talks? They're like shorter little uh, kind of 10-minute, 15-minute talks, and they're all over the world. And it's some of the, the greatest minds and thinkers and engineers and creatives. 
Well, one of the top ten of all-time TED Talks was spoken by a man named Sir Ken Robinson. He passed away actually a couple years ago. But his TED Talk is, Is Modern Education Killing Creativity in Children? And so it's, it's been around, and you've probably even seen uh, some of this, but here's what Sir Ken Robinson said about humanity. Other creatures can, can, can sing, but they don't write operas. Other creatures are agile with their movements, but they don't form Olympic committees. Other creatures may communicate, but they don't have festivals and theater. They have structures, but they don't build buildings and furnish them. We are unique. Humanity is unique. You know, the thing is, these scholars could have just asked us. Because we know from Psalm 139, if you're familiar with Psalm 139, if you, if you haven't memorized it, you'll hear it in just a second here. But Psalm 139.14 makes it clear. I praise you, O Lord, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. They could have just asked us. They didn't do all that research. They could have just asked us. Yes, it's in there. And Scripture tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made. There are no other creatures on the planet like us. And, and that's by design. That is by intention. So today, we're continuing our, our series in identity. And uh, we, we, we've had a couple great weeks already. This is week number three. We've covered some ground. And I think this is really important because it's a foundational question for all of us, every person on the planet has to wrestle with the weight of this question. And that question is, just who am I anyway? Who am I? And no matter where you're at, age-wise, you may have to ask this question many times in your life. I mean, it seems like when you're younger, you want to get older and getting that career started and find that marriage. But then you get into a marriage and you start having kids and you're like, oh, well, someday we'll, you know, our kids will be, you know, moved on and married and then then there's the grandkid era and the era that Jackie and I are in is now the empty nest area and we're trying to discover all these different seasons of life we have to start asking that question who am I anyway what's my place on this planet God has put me here for a reason I'm fearfully and wonderfully made so what is that is it that God has for us now if you were with us on week one we we learned that we are unconditionally loved that is, we are loved without strings attached. And, and we had a mantra that we said sort of together, or a statement that we said together. And, and, and here it is. Uh, God loves me. God's love for me. You remember this? God's love for me is unearned, unconditional, and isn't that unbelievable? Let's do that again. You can do better than this. Come on. It's 10.30 now. You can shed your coffee by now. God's love for me. Come on. God's love for me. Online, you better get this. God's love for me is unearned, unconditional, and isn't that unbelievable? That's how we kicked off this whole series, and a great way to kick it off. That is the foundation of everything. God loves you radically, even though you're not so perfect all the time. God loves you that much. It's unconditional. Then in week two, we talked about how that we are actually, we are God's masterpieces. 
And we talked about that, right? We are infinitely valued. Masterpieces of art are, are super valuable. We know that in, in, the, in the marketplace. But God infinitely values you because you are his masterpiece. We looked at Ephesians chapter 2, which uses that play on words between God's handiwork and the work he's created for us to do. But his handiwork, we are crafted by God. Some of you are artists in this room. He handcrafted each of us. We are we are so loved and we are infinitely valued. And today we're going to move it, move it a little farther down the field today. We're going to talk about how we are uniquely created. So I'm Pastor Ben. I'm glad you're here with us today, uh, whether that be uh, online or here in person. It's great to see us a little bit more in person than we've been for a while. It's a good thing. Uh, in fact, I sent out an email on Wednesday and just talking about how there is something powerful about kind of this in-person, uh, you know, getting a chance to see people and, and uh, even doing an, an elbow bump. There's just something about us that needs connection. So it's good to see us slowly making that transition back to in-person. But if you're online with us, we're glad you're here. We do this every Sunday. Why? Because Jesus of Nazareth was born about 2,000 years or so ago. He was born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, taught many wonderful things, did amazing miracles, but then suffered on a Roman cross to pay for all sin, past, present, and future. And then on the third day, on a Sunday, rose again and effectively changed human history forever. And that's why we gather here on a Sunday, both in person and online, because we're lifting up the name of Jesus. So I'm glad you made this part of your day. It's an important part. It's the first day of the week. It's a chance to kind of hit the reset button. And no matter what happened last week, today is a new day. It's a new start. You know, our, our Lord is all about new creation. And he wants to tell a new story today. So if it's, it's been a bad week, today could be the start of a new story for you. And we're talking today about something powerful. And by the way, just to kind of supplement our series, we've been uh, kind of talking about these little passports. And I know they're kind of, kind of goofy little booklets, but they can help just to carry on what we're talking about on Sundays through the rest of the week. And so there's questions in there, some scriptures for further study. In fact, if you, if you bring it back in person, and all you online folks, you can still get it through our app. But if you bring it in person you get a special bonus. You get a little stamp right there. See, my booklet has a stamp. I kind of have to be there because I'm the preacher guy. But anyway, I stamp my booklet, okay? I'm here today, so you're, you're welcome. Uh, but let's uh, pause for a word of prayer and then talk about how uniquely created we are. Father, we thank you for uh, bringing us together. And Lord, we know that you're, you're in charge. You are more powerful than we can imagine. And Lord, you have, you've created us to be unique and special in the world. So Father, I pray that you would encourage us with that truth today and may your Holy Spirit move in a powerful way that we would leave this place changed and encouraged by being part of the gathering. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have a Bible or a device, find Genesis chapter one. I do encourage you to have, I don't know if all of you have your own physical copies of the Bible, but I do encourage that. Uh, it's nice to have something that you can kind of carry with you. It's a physical reminder. It also reminds you that you don't always have to have a device with you. You can have the old school printed Bible, and I encourage you to do that. In Genesis chapter 1, I know we've, we've, we've talked about this a little bit at least each week, but this is foundational for us. And, um, and in Genesis chapter 1, we get into the narrative about God creating everything. And, uh, and, and as we get toward the end of chapter 1, we get kind of a, a focus in on humanity. And, and listen to how this reads down in, in Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion 
over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. I love that little play on words, creeping things. Just in case you worried, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Anyway, I diverged from that. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. There's some stuff we can unpack right there, but uh, we may not have time today, but that's pretty powerful. One humanity, two. One yet two. Like the likeness of God being three yet one. That's very, that's very interesting. But he created them, and he blessed them. Made in his image, blessed them. And, he, and God said to them, this is important too, be fruitful and multiply, and, and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So that is our, our jump off point. And, and maybe you've read that part before. Maybe you've read it many times. I know many of you have probably started Bible reading plans in January of some point in your life. If you've been following Jesus for a while, you've probably tried that. And uh, this is one of those passages in, in Genesis that you, you may have gotten through and like, okay, I get that. And then as you move through Genesis, you're like, what is going on here? Uh, so you're probably familiar with this passage, but there's several things that I want to point out, three specifically, that are really important for us today. And the first one is this, nothing else in creation has been created like us. Nothing else in all creation has the image and likeness of God. Nothing else has the God stamp on us. You like what I did there? God stamp? You like? Anyway, <clears throat> nothing else has that likeness and image. And that means we are uniquely suited by God, created by God to do some amazing things. So nothing else is made in the image and likeness of God. Psalm 8, 5 through 8, reinforces this. It says, Yet you, that is the Lord, ha have made him, that is humanity, a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, the fish of the sea, and whatever passes along the paths of the sea. We have been given dominion. We have been created uniquely, and we've been given dominion to take care of this here planet. And that's my second, my second idea here. I want to talk about dominion. We've been given this idea of ruling. In fact, the, the, the Hebrew word there is radah, which means to rule. That's a sense that we're, we're supposed to kind of manage and make, things, make sure things are, are, are where they ought to be. Now, I, I wonder how well we've done with that that we were supposed to be managing this creation, managing the earth. And so uh, how are we doing at that? I, I wonder some days whether we're, we're, we're not taking this more seriously. But God has created us in his likeness and image. That's very, very foundational. And then he asks us to, to, to have dominion, set us up to, to, to have dominion over the earth, to, to radah or rule. And then thirdly, humanity was commanded to be fruitful, and multiply. Did you notice, notice that no other of, of the days of creation or the other creatures were given that specific command? That humans were given the command to be, uh, to be fruitful and multi multiply. The, the Hebrew word there, and this is, this is for, for you know, later when you want to wow your friends with your great grasp of the ancient Hebrew language. Fruitful and multiply is para-rabah. 
It's almost poetic the way that sounds. Para rabah, which basically means become great and many. Para rabah. That humanity was given that particular command to go and be, yeah, para rabah. Fruitful and multiply, multiply. And, and here's, here's the last, probably the, one of the foundational points for us today as, as followers of Christ, that the scriptures tell us that when Jesus came, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but when Jesus came, he, he came to save humanity uniquely. In fact, Paul, in one of his, his letters, uh, the Apostle Paul, early church leader and writer, he, he said in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And people who sin, that would be us. He came to save humanity. And that makes us uniquely created by God. Well, what else does Scripture say about this whole humanity thing? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, I kind of know all this stuff up here. I mean, what is this really, how does this work out in in my daily life? How How does this help me pay my bills? Well, we'll get there. But look, we need to understand that we're uniquely created. And look, I love documentaries. I love National Geographic and Planet Earth and Blue Planet. I've seen so many of them. Anybody in here documentary fans? Are you going to agree that you're nerds like me? Okay, we'll form a support group. It'll be good for us to talk that through. I like looking at just the, the images and the glaciers and all. The, the, the earth is amazing. And all the little creatures and their different colors and, and shapes. And it's amazing. And I've, and I've watched the documentaries where you have scientists looking at, you know, gorillas and chimpanzees, and sometimes in some of those documentaries, they start to kind of say, well, see how we're similar to humanity, see how we're kind of, the hands are kind of shaped like that. But we are so radically above that. It's not even close. In fact, I, I read a book several years ago, it's last year now, that's a New York Times bestseller called Sapiens. And it's not coming from a Christian perspective at all. Uh, Sapiens uh, is a book that kind of covers the idea of of the the trace of humanity. And in that book, he speaks about a leap, about a brain leap. And at one point, and and, and there's no real explanation for this, that you have, you know, kind of the chimpanzee and ape, that sort of thing, long arms, small brain. And then the writer says, we have no clue how or what in the world happened. But all of a sudden, then we see the next species, big brain, small arms. The thing is, we have been designed and created uniquely. We have been designed uniquely by the hand of God. The scriptures say we're like his handiwork. It wasn't an accident. It was a handiwork. We're actually designed that way, and we're so far above. In fact, humanity, all tribes, nations, peoples, we're all beautiful. Like, God has created this beautiful picture of humanity in all of our shapes and colors and everything. Together, we're this beautiful tapestry. It's almost like we're a work of art to the world. In fact, the scriptures tell us we're almost like this poem of God to the whole world. All of us, all humanity... In fact, when I was a kid in Sunday school, we used to sing this song. And then maybe I'm the only one that remembers it. I, I'm, a, I, I'm getting up there in age. I agree with that. But there was a song that we sang, and see if you, you might have heard it. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world. Come on. 
red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. See, we were singing it way back in the day because we knew no matter what color, shape, we are a beautiful tapestry. God intended us to be this beautiful testimony of his great diversity and love to the world. It's a beautiful thing. And the deal is, if you've said yes to Jesus, if you said yes to following Jesus, you are now part of a family where racism has no place. Racism has no place. There is no one that we should ever feel ill will toward. We are one, as theologians say, at the foot of the cross. Jesus paid that for us. Red and yellow, black and white. We are precious in his sight, every one of us. Because it's a beautiful picture. We're called, we talked about it last week, we're a masterpiece of his design. We're made in his image and likeness. It's, it's so amazing. And in fact, Paul even writes about this. In fact, this passage that I'm about to read must have been completely radical for the first century people that heard this. He wrote to his friend. This is the Apostle Paul again. He was writing to his friends, the church in Galatia. This is ancient Galatia, early church, a very diverse group of people. Listen to what he wrote to his friends in Galatians. This is Galatians 3, uh, starting with verse 28, if you're, if you're following along. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Now we'll read right over that and we're like, oh, this is good. This was radical, what he just said. This means, and look, in the first century, People from Jewish heritage and those who didn't have Jewish heritage, there was tension. There was tension all the time. The Roman Empire was not super fans of the Jewish nation. In fact, in 70 AD, the Roman government and the Roman army just conquered Jerusalem, just took it out, tried to take it off, off the face of the earth. There was tension. Paul to say that actually in Christ, whether you have a Jewish background or you don't, which would have been most of the people probably at that congregation didn't have that special pedigree of being an Israelite, special blood, special race. Paul says, nah, there is no longer any division or barrier. One at the cross. That's radical what he just did. Radical. And then he doesn't stop. He says, slave nor free. Some historians estimate that there were towns in Roman Empire, in the Roman Empire in the first century, where 50 to 60% of the people around were enslaved in some sort. Now, it was a little bit different than we think of it, but, but sometimes if you didn't have money to pay a debt, you might, you might uh, be an indentured servant to a family who was more well-off to pay off your debt. Paul has just said now that people who didn't have financial means and people who do have financial means, there's no division anymore. So in a church family, some have more, some have less, Paul said, we're, up, we're one at the foot of the cross. Do you see how radical this statement is? And he doesn't stop there. Then he says, male and female. Did you know in the first century, if you as a female witnessed a crime, your testimony would not be taken in court? Paul has the audacity to say male and female both have dignity. That's radical. Radical. You are one in Christ at the foot of the cross 
We are one beautiful tapestry. Male and female, no matter where your, your, your educational level, your financial means, your, your family bloodline, the skin color, it's all one at the foot of the cross. And it's not downplaying all that diversity. It's actually elevating it and saying, isn't that beautiful? It's not downplaying one for the other. It's saying it's all beautiful and it's this tapestry. Mm. I love what, what N.T. Wright said. He, he's got a podcast, and I don't know if some of you listen to some of those podcasts out there. There's a lot of them now. But there's a, a podcast where uh, N.T. Wright has asked this question. He's a, a New Testament theologian, uh, kind of one of those modern theologians of, of specifically the New Testament era. And uh, N.T. Wright was asked some questions, and one of them was, and he's British. And so on his show, he, he sometimes gets questions that are raised from America. And so there was someone that asked him a question about uh, some of the racial justice movements that are going on right now in our country. And N.T. Wright, and I love what he said here, and, and you can agree or disagree, but he, he feels like, you know what, those social justice movements may not have been necessary if the church would live out the gospel in our world. Because there is no division. If the church would rise up and live the gospel, we may not need those movements. We have a great opportunity to show that to the world. We are one beautiful tapestry. Oh, I, I, I kind of agree with them there a little bit. But anyway, new humanity. See, in Christ we're given a new humanity. That, that when, we, when we see Jesus walking to and fro in the first century in the Gospels, we're seeing a different kind of humanity play out. A humanity that would choose generosity over greed. A humanity that would put your needs in front of my own. A humanity that would say, you know, instead of taking revenge, maybe I can just give you some grace. He was offering a brand new way to be human. A new creation life. And he offered that. See, in Christ, we're new humans. Old humanity is gone. And new humanity has come. Listen to what the scriptures say. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Ephesians 4, starting with verse 22. Put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness a new humanity, a new way to be human that's not sidetracked by any kind of racial unrest. We, we, are, we are all one in Christ. We're not sidelined by any of those divisions anymore. We are one beautiful tapestry. You see, who are you? You are uniquely created. You are uniquely created. You are special. When God made you, he's like, well, i got to break the mold because there's not going to be another one. You are, you are uniquely created. You are wired the way you are. Special. And if you didn't know that today, I hope that makes you feel kind of good. You are wired and made specifically. God didn't, didn't, didn't make a mistake with you. You are one of a kind. And you have a role to play in this world. For as long as God has you, as long as you're still... Look, we're not here just to fog mirrors and to take a carbon footprint. We're actually here to be about some great stuff. He's actually prepared for us. You have a unique role to play. As long as you're here, God has something for you. Whether you're young or old or middle-aged like me, God has something for you. And so the main takeaway that I have today is this, that in Christ we're made new. We're handcrafted to be about the work that God created for us before we were ever born. So we need to be about God's work. 
we could be about God's work. We could be doing the work that he's called us to do because we are so unique that he needs your contribution. He needs my contribution. I love this. This comes from a book uh, called Return to Love. This is an author. Her name is Marianne Williamson. Listen to what she said uh, about you and me and, and how we're created. You, is what she says, you are a child of God. Playing small does not serve the world. Isn't that good? Playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking back so other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. Playing small doesn't suit you. You are a child of the king. You've been made, created uniquely. You have a role to play. Like I mentioned last week, I was quoting a, a movie that my kids and I love, uh, Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium, and he said, your life is an occasion. Rise to it. Your life is an occasion. Rise to it. Playing small isn't serving anybody. You're created uniquely. That, that is hopefully good word, good word for you today. Uh, the way I think about it is humanity is this this, this, this beautiful tapestry that displays the majesty of God. The, humanity is this, this beautiful tapestry. That's good. The humanity is this beautiful tapestry that, that displays the majesty of God. And it happens. The scriptures tell us we're ambassadors of the new way to be human. To everywhere we go. We get to take this new creation, this new humanity everywhere. We get to live out the ethic of life that Jesus modeled for us and taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. That what we think about is important. And our actions, they flow in and how we pray and how we give and how we fast. Everything that we do for the Lord. That kingdom ethic, we get to live out. We're ambassadors of that to the world. And with each of us, with our unique gifts, our talents, our scars, our experiences, God has gifted us to hold a special place in his world. And, 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 and we need to be about it. Let's be about God's work. And look, you may be new this morning. I don't know if, if, you've, if you've made a decision to say yes to be part of that new humanity that Jesus offers. If you've never said yes to Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've never said, yeah, I'm in. I want that. I want that unconditional love. I want that to know that I'm uniquely created and that, that I'm special. Yeah, if you've never said yes to Jesus, you could do that today. It's very simple. You start with belief, believing that God is who he says he is, trusting that God has sent his son to take care of our sin and to rise from the dead and offer us new life. It starts with belief, and then it, then it rolls to repentance. That is, repenting of your sin. You've made a lot of mistakes. You've been going your own, your own way. Repentance means to change directions and start going the Jesus way. That's repentance. Then confession is confession before your family, for your friends, saying, yeah, I need a Savior, and Jesus is it. And then you can be baptized. That is, die to the old to be raised to new life, and then to begin walking with Jesus. If you've never taken that step, I encourage you to do that. But for, for many of us who've said yes to Jesus already, we are about God's work. We get to be about God's work in the world because we know we're special cre creations, and we get to be about that work. I love how in Christ we have been justified. That is, the slate wiped clean. Everything we've done ever up to this point is, is gone. And then when we say yes to Jesus, not only is that true, we're justified, but then we start to walk and, and we're sanctified, where we learn to walk that new kingdom ethic of Jesus. And then one day, we'll be glorified in new heavens and new earth. 
And it's a beautiful thing to be part of. God has created you uniquely. So I hope you're all in. So who are you? We've already, let's roll it down from week one. You are unconditionally loved. Right? Remember that? You're unconditionally loved. You are infinitely valued. And you are uniquely created to be about God's work. That's who you are today. If you wondered today, now you know. That's who you are. we got one more week at this. I hope you can stick with us. God has uniquely created you. And it's, here's the challenge, right? You're like, well, great, Ben. Let's, let's be about God's work. Well, I, I don't know what work that means for me. Maybe you're having a struggle to know what that is. Well, what, what has God gifted you already with? What are the things that you are, are pretty good at? All of us have different skill sets and experiences. And if you don't know what those are, ask somebody in your, your life. Like, what am I pretty good at? Now, I realize there's another way you could find out by just saying, well, what am I not good at? And maybe they'll really, really help you with that. But at least that's a process of elimination of finding out what God has uniquely gifted you for so you could put it to use. And you could put it to use here in our church family or you can put it to use in the world or both. That would be even better. But what has God created you to be to do? And in fact, if you want to take spiritual gifts assessments, we, we talk about spiritual gifts being something that God gifts. When you say yes to Jesus, you're given a, a particular gift and you can use it to encourage each other. So, so, so to take that assessment, but either way, be about God's work in the world. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for loving us so much, for creating us specifically, uniquely, and beautifully. Father, we're so thankful that, that in, in your son Jesus, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. That's the good news gospel, that, that no, matter, no matter where we are, where we come from, our past, present, uh, Father, you, those, are, those are no longer divisions that matter. What matters is faith and new creation that you've offered to us. So, Lord, help us to live as that unique creation and be about your work in this world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.